Welcome to Washington Today on C-SPAN Radio for Tuesday, January 30th. 2024. The House Homeland Security Committee debates articles of impeachment against the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over his handling of immigration and border security. The articles allege that he willfully and systemically refused to comply with the law and breached the public trust. House Speaker Mike Johnson says House Republicans will oppose a bipartisan border security agreement in the Senate that could be linked to aid to Ukraine because it would let too many unauthorized migrants into the U.S. before a trigger to close the border. Speaker Johnson also denies that House Republicans are blocking the border security deal to help the campaign of Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. Congresswoman Cori Bush, Democrat from Missouri, confirms that she is being investigated by the Justice Department, Federal Election Commission, and House Ethics Committee into alleged misuse of campaign funds for personal security. She says she's cooperating and did nothing wrong. Congressman James Clyburn, Democrat from South Carolina, talks about President Biden's re-election campaign. Saturday is the Democrats' first presidential primary in South Carolina. President Joe Biden says he has decided how he'll be responding to the drone attack from Iran-supported militants on a U.S. military outpost in Jordan that killed three American soldiers. The president did not provide further details, but White House spokesperson John Kirby is asked about it. And former CIA directors Leon Panetta and Mike Pompeo testify before the House Select Committee on U.S.-China Competition, a hearing about China's support for U.S. adversaries. A story from NBC News. Members of the House Homeland Security Committee are meeting Tuesday to discuss the Republican-led impeachment articles against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. House Republicans accuse Mayorkas and the Biden administration of disregarding federal laws on immigration and seek to make Mayorkas the second cabinet official impeached in U.S. history. According to the first impeachment article set forth by House Republicans, Mayorkas has willfully and systemically refused to comply with federal immigration laws. Republicans blame Mayorkas for allowing millions of people to enter the country illegally quote, with many unlawfully remaining in the U.S., according to the articles. And the second impeachment article accuses him of breaching the public trust and knowingly obstructing lawful oversight of the Department of Homeland Security. That was reporting from NBC News. Congressman August Pfluger, Republican from Texas, a member of the committee, spoke in favor of the impeachment articles. You know, it's a sad day that, that we're here. I don't think anybody takes any pleasure in being here. In fact, this is really the last resort that our founders intended to use an impeachment as a check and a balance. Um, I personally have wrestled with the appropriate congressional response to what has been a willful refusal to comply with the law, to adhere to congressional directives, and more importantly, to secure a homeland. The failure to secure the border has been so significant, so catastrophic, so egregious that Congress must now use its power to provide accountability. And we must be the check and the balance against such an extremely egregious breach of the public trust. You know, families around the country have lost confidence in the secretary, in the government, in the administration. I I show you this picture right here of the Tambunga family. This is a button that the Tambungas sat right there when Secretary Mayorkas was testifying. The 71-year-old grandmother was killed. The seven-year-old granddaughter was killed by a human trafficker doing 100 miles an hour in West Texas, carrying 11 illegal aliens, evading capture. 
and tragically slammed into their vehicle, instantly killing them. For Maria and Amelia's sake, if not this effort, then what? She sat, the, the daughter of Maria sat with Secretary Marcus and said, this is not political, we want you to secure the border, and yet nothing has been done. We passed HR2 in May of last year. When you go to the border, when you talk to Border Patrol, when you talk to ICE agents, what they tell you is that there are no consequences. That the secretary has willfully refused to enforce the laws that are on the books. And I asked rhetorically to the other side, if not this effort, then how do you hold accountability? Do you think that this has been a success? We offer these articles of impeachment today, a willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law, a, an egregious breach of public trust, because we do take seriously our oath. We do take seriously the check and the balance. There's been three years that the other side has had to make a change, and they haven't. And this is the last resort, which is why this is a sad day. Congressman August Fluger, Republican from Texas, at today's Homeland Security Committee markup of the two impeachment articles against the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Congressman Seth Magaziner, Democrat from Rhode Island, spoke against the articles. There is no constitutional basis to impeach Secretary Mayorkas. The Constitution is very specific. It states that the grounds for impeachment are treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. There's no treason alleged or mentioned in these articles, no bribery alleged or mentioned in these articles, and no high crimes or misdemeanors either. House Republicans are playing politics instead of working together to find real solutions. If we were working together to find solutions for the border, we could be voting today on President Biden's request for more funding for the border. His request, which would add 1,300 Border Patrol officers and 1,600 CBP officers. We could be working with the Senate to develop policies to address our immigration challenges. But instead, we are wasting our time on impeachment because securing the border is not a priority for House Republicans. Donald Trump's 2024 campaign is their priority. And you know it from the way that this debate has shifted over the last year. Originally, House Republicans were saying, we won't give a cent to Ukraine unless there's funding for the border, too. The administration said, okay and propose $14 billion of funding for the border. And then House Republicans said, well, no, it's not money. We need policy changes. And the administration said, okay, and has been working with the Senate on policy changes. And now House Republicans just in the last few days have said, no, 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 we don't want policy changes. We don't want money. We, we, we don't know what we want. We want to beat Joe Biden in 2024. They keep changing their story about what they want because what they want is the political drama and not the solutions. The real truth here is that the president and the secretary have taken steps to secure our borders despite House Republicans' attempts to obstruct them every step of the way. Congressman Seth Magaziner, Democrat from Rhode Island at the House Homeland Security Committee markup of the impeachment articles. Ahead of the markup, Secretary Mayorkas wrote a letter to the chair, Congressman Mark Green, Republican of Tennessee, that reads in part, I assure you that your false accusations do not rattle me. And, I, and do not divert me from the law enforcement and broader public service mission to which I have devoted most of my career and to which I remain devoted. After the committee approves the articles, and it is expected that they will approve them, they'll be sent to the full House, and that 
vote could happen on the House floor as soon as next week. A story from CNN reads that Chair Mark Green has been meeting with some of the remaining GOP holdouts, such as Congressman Ken Buck of Colorado, and has issued a number of memos on Mayorkas in recent weeks, according to GOP sources. Green presented his case to senior Republicans during a closed-door meeting Monday night, telling CNN afterward that nobody had any questions or dissent. In a sign of growing momentum for the effort, GOP Swing District Congressman Don Bacon said he will vote to impeach Mayorkas, while Washington Representative Dan Newhouse, another moderate House Republican lawmaker, was less definitive. Newhouse said, I want to hear all the arguments for it. I understand there is quite a groundswell of support for it, and I want to just understand it totally. That was reporting from CNN. Impeachment in the House will require a simple majority vote, but then the trial and conviction and removal from office in the Senate requires a two-thirds vote under the Constitution. House Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican of Louisiana, says if what he is hearing about a bipartisan border security agreement in the Senate is true, the text has not yet been released, that it would be dead on arrival in the House. Speaker Johnson said one item that he and other House Republicans object to is the number of unauthorized migrants allowed to cross in a day before the border is shut down. He spoke at a news conference. The president, this is laughable. The president is trying to switch, you know, flip the script. He wants to try to blame House Republicans in some way for the national security and humanitarian catastrophes that he caused. I, I, I can't make a full judgment on the National Security Supplemental, as the full details have not yet been released. But based on the news reports of this agreement that have been leaked, that Secretary Mayorkas, by the way, helped negotiate, it seems the new authority to shut down the border would kick in only after as many as 5,000 illegal crossings uh, happen each day. Why? Why would we do that? Illegal immigration is illegal. It is against the law. Why would you tolerate 5,000 a day before you sought to to uh, suddenly enforce the law. That would be surrender. The goal should be zero illegal crossings a day, not 5,000. And all the president's authority should be utilized at zero. House Speaker Mike Johnson at a news conference, he referred to the National Security Supplemental. That is a supplemental spending request that came from President Biden that had over $100 billion for aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan and some money for the U.S. southern border, and now the negotiations in the Senate producing some policy changes that could be added to that bill dealing with border security. An ABC News article reads, Some sources familiar with the negotiations refute that the bill would allow thousands of migrants into the country each day. The number that triggers the border to shut, one source familiar with the bill said, is based on capacity. When there's no longer capacity within the country to detain migrants, the authority to shut the border down will be triggered. The authority remains in place until crossings reduce to 75% of the trigger number. That was from ABC News. Speaker Johnson was also asked today about the position of Donald Trump, former president and 2024 Republican presidential candidate, who has called the emerging bipartisan Senate border security bill horrific and a disaster. The former president has made it clear that he doesn't want you guys to move forward on this. And judging by his comments, he clearly wants to campaign on this issue. Have you spoken to him about the Senate proposal? And are you simply trying to kill this to help him on the campaign? No, Manu, that's absurd. We have a responsibility here to do our duty. Our duty is to do right by the American people, to protect the people. The first and most important job of the federal government is to protect its citizens. We're not doing that under President Biden. 
We, are, we have only a tiny, as you know, razor-thin, actually a one-vote majority right now in the House. Our, our majority is small. We only have it in one chamber, but we're trying to, to use every ounce of leverage that we have to make sure that this uh, issue is addressed. I have talked to, to former President Trump about this issue at length, and, um, and he understands that. He understands that we have a responsibility to do here. The president, of course, President Trump wants to secure the country. President Trump is the one that talked about border security before anyone else did. He ran on, as you remember, building the wall. Why? Because he saw this catastrophe coming. He knew that if we did not get control of it, we would be in this situation. And that's why President Trump took executive actions. He used his executive authority to get that system under control. President Biden came in reflexively and did exactly the opposite. And that is what has caused this crisis. It is well documented. I'm happy to share with you all, if you haven't seen it yet, our documentation of the 64 actions they've taken. At least half of those, more than half, could be immediately reversed with a stroke of a pen. And Joe Biden refuses to do it. And it is outrageous to us. House Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican from Louisiana, with other House Republican leaders, news conference today on Capitol Hill. The White House Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton was asked by reporters about the Speaker's comments while they all flew on Air Force One. Speaker Johnson reiterated this morning that he is against the Senate deal, however it ultimately looks, is dead on arrival in the House. Does the White House still think it's worth pursuing a negotiated deal? I think we've unequivocally said yes, and if, you know, Speaker Johnson is serious about securing the border, which he also said this morning that he is, then he should work across the aisle with us, uh, reach back across the aisle in good faith and join us. We're working along with Senate Republicans as well as Democrats. And we think that if this proposal that's on the table was to be enacted, it would be the most meaningful, uh, fair, uh, significant piece of legislation to secure the border that we've seen in decades. executive actions on the on the border himself. I think the president has also been clear that he needs additional authorities from Congress and part of what he's asking Congress to do here is to deliver those uh, authorities. Um, I'm not going to get specifically into more of what the bill says um, down on the you know the line items but uh, the president's been really clear he needs additional authorities to secure the border uh, and that's exactly what he's asking Democrats and Republicans in Congress to work with him to deliver. his executive authority. Just do it. I think the the president has a a view that, by the way, was shared by Speaker Johnson uh, under the prior administration that he needs uh, greater authority in order to uh, secure the border and take action on the border. So that's what we're we're looking to do. Is it his position then that there's nothing all or that he can do uh, on migration, that this is the limit to his authority? President, I think on the just a moment ago that certainly he feels that there are things that are within his power, but there are also things that are not within his power that he's looking for a congressional authority to do uh, in order to step up border security. The White House Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton holding a news conference on Air Force One. Back to Capitol Hill, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, spoke on the Senate floor about the status of the bipartisan border security deal in that chamber. All through the weekend, negotiators continued their work on the National Security Supplemental. We are approaching the finish line, but the work is not done. We will continue to finish the supplemental. We will do everything we can to get the supplemental done. 
because for all the day-to-day -day intrigue, the big picture has not changed. This is an inflection point in history with a balance of power in Europe, the future of Israel in the Middle East, and the fate of the Indo-Pacific hang in the balance. And for the first time in over a decade, we have a golden opportunity to make meaningful, lasting changes to the southern border, the best chance we will likely have in a good while. So we have an obligation to the American people to get something done. Now, Republicans in the House and Senate have insisted for years that Congress must make border security a top priority. The speeches, statements, op-eds, and tweets that Republicans have issued on border legislation could fill entire libraries. And we Democrats agree. We want to get something done on the border. We've negotiated with our Republican counterparts for months to get something done. Look, it's entirely unsurprising and truly disappointing at the same time that many on the hard right, including Donald Trump, are now trying to thwart this bipartisan effort for the sake of electoral politics. But here in the Senate, both sides have an obligation to tune the partisan noise out and to continue working. Bipartisanship is the only way that action on the border is going to happen. That aid to Ukraine will be secured, that help to Israel and the Indo-Pacific, and aid to innocent civilians in Gaza will happen. So for all the noise and partisan posturing, the big picture here does not change. The Senate will continue working on the supplemental this week. We know this is hard, very hard. But Democrats and Republicans in this chamber have an obligation to tune out the outside noise and finish the work of protecting our national security. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, on the Senate floor. This is Washington Today. Another NBC News article, Congresswoman Cori Bush, Democrat from Missouri, is being investigated by the Justice Department for her campaign spending on security services. She confirmed in a statement Tuesday. She said, we are fully cooperating in this investigation, denying any wrongdoing. The article goes on as a former Black Lives Matter organizer and high-profile progressive on Capitol Hill. Congresswoman Bush has faced what she calls relentless threats to my physical safety in life since her election in 2020. The Justice Department declined comment. DOJ had recently issued a grand jury subpoena to the House Sergeant-at-Arms for documents, a development that was made public on the House floor on Monday, but the focus of the federal probe was not revealed at that time. Again, reporting from NBC News. Later, Congresswoman Bush made a public statement on the steps of the U.S. Capitol building. I hold myself, my campaign, and my position to the highest levels of integrity. I also believe in transparency, which is why I can confirm that the Department of Justice is reviewing my campaign spending on security services. We are fully cooperating with this investigation, and I would like to take this opportunity to outline the facts and the truth. Since before I was sworn into office, I have endured relentless threats to my physical safety and life. As a rank and file member of Congress, I am not entitled to personal protection by the House and instead have used campaign funds as permissible to retain security services. I have not used any federal tax dollars for personal security services. Any reporting that I have used funds for personal, secu for personal security is simply false. In recent months, right-wing Organizations have lodged baseless complaints against me. 
peddling notions that I have misused campaign funds to pay for personal security services. That simply is not true. I have complied with all applicable, law, applicable laws and House rules and will continue to prioritize the rules that govern us as federal elected officials. In particular, the nature of these allegations have been around my husband's role on the campaign. In accordance with all applicable uh, rules, I retained my husband as part of my security team to provide security services because he has had extensive experience in this area and is able to provide the necessary services at or, or below fair market rate. These frivolous complaints have resulted in a number of investigations, some of which are still ongoing. The Federal Election Commission and the House Committee on Ethics are currently reviewing the matter, as is the Department of Justice. We are fully cooperating in all these pending investigations. In September of last year, 2023, after conducting a months-long investigation, the Office of Congressional Ethics found no wrongdoing and voted unanimously to dismiss the case. I look forward to this same outcome from all impending investigations. And I am under no illusion that these right-wing organizations will stop politicizing and pursuing efforts to attack me and the work that the people of St. Louis sent me to Congress to do to lead boldly, to legislate change my constituents can feel, and to save lives. Congresswoman Cori Bush, Democrat from Missouri, making that statement on the steps of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington. She did not answer any reporters' questions. From CNN, this article, Congressman Jamal Bowman on Tuesday said he regretted authoring blog posts years ago that pushed unfounded conspiracy theories about the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. The New York Democrat, who was censured by the House last year after triggering a fire alarm despite there being no emergency, wrote in a statement Tuesday that he regrets the posts he made, having since learned how misinformation spreads. The blog posts had been deleted but were recently unearthed by the Daily Beast. Congressman Bowman wrote, well, over a decade ago, as I was debating diving into a doctoral degree, I explored a wide range of books, films, and articles across a wide swath of the political spectrum and processed my thoughts in a personal blog that few people ever read. That was from CNN. This Saturday, February 2nd, is the first official Democratic Party presidential primary. It'll be in South Carolina, and one of the President Biden, Vice President Harris re-election campaign co-chairs is Congressman James Clyburn, Democrat from South Carolina. He was interviewed today by Michael Shearer, national political reporter of The Washington Post. Let me ask you about uh, African-American voters, the, the core of uh, President Biden's support in the Democratic Party and, and essential group for uh, the upcoming election. There are polls there that have shown really sharp drop-offs. In some polls, Trump is polling two, three times what he got in 2016 and 2020 among black voters. Uh, you know, uh, President Biden's approval is down to 50 percent from from the mid 80s a couple of years ago. Uh, is that a communication problem as well or is something else going on there? I think there's something else going on there. Uh, look, I saw none of that in South Carolina last weekend. I saw none of that when I was in Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago, when I was in Connecticut last week. I don't see any of that. So why is it showing up? I think a whole lot of that has to do with people responding to those who judge 
hurt people by their style rather than their substance. You cannot give me one substantive reason why any black person in this country or in this world would vote for Donald Trump. Give me one substantive reason. And nobody's ever able to do that for me. And I can tick off all the things, the positives that have been produced by this president that means so much to black people. The lowest black unemployment in 40 years. Closing the wealth gap for the first time in years. Creating all of these 14 million jobs. Uh, and you creating this stuff. And so many African-Americans with real income, the growth in the economy over 3%, double what anybody thought it would be. How is that a negative for any black person or white person? All those are positive. So why are they giving this president credit? Because people focus on style. And one of the best examples I can give you, and a lot of misinformation, the president talked down in South Carolina on Saturday night about the former president refusing to visit Normandy, the cemeteries at Normandy when he was in France because it was raining. And then referring to those people buried there uh, as losers and suckers. And then he turned to the mic and said, can you imagine that? He really said that. Can you imagine a sitting president? He didn't call him the sitting president today. He was talking about him being a sitting president at the time he made those comments. Yet the first headline, headline I saw yesterday was saying, is this a sign of senility, referring to uh, Trump as the sitting president? Come on, that's the kind of foolishness people are getting out here. And I've already had people saying, uh, believe in that stuff. You know, that's yeah, what that's... we're up against here. I don't know why people think that you can't make an honest living by telling the truth and by representing things that really said, yeah, I don't quite understand that. Congressman James Clyburn, Democrat from South Carolina, part of the interview with Michael Shearer, national political reporter of The Washington Post, a Washington Post live event. And you can find the full video at our website at cspan.org. On Wall Street today, the Dow up 133, NASDAQ down 118, S&P down 2. From the Hill newspaper, moderate House Republicans sent a warning shot to Speaker Mike Johnson on Tuesday, coming close to blocking legislative action on the House floor in protest of the bipartisan bicameral tax deal not including an increase in the state and local tax deduction, or SALT, taking a page out of the playbook normally used by hardline conservatives for moderate New York Republicans, initially joined Democrats in voting against a procedural rule for four unrelated pieces of legislation, enough opposition to sink the effort and shut down business on the floor. The vote sent leadership into a scramble, prompting Johnson and the House Majority Whip Tom Emmer to huddle with the four rabble-rousers and their allies. After almost 40 minutes, the four moderate New Yorkers switched their votes in support of the rule, allowing the procedural vote to squeak through on a 216-210 vote. The lawmakers left the House floor saying that while there was not a commitment to adjust the tax legislation, there was an agreement to keep talking about possible paths forward to discuss their concerns. That from the Hill.com. And that tax bill is or 
was scheduled to come up on the House floor this week under a procedure that allows no amendments but requires a two-thirds vote to pass. Washington Today continues in a moment. Hi, this is Rachel from C-SPAN's podcast team. I'd like to introduce you to one of the producers here at C-SPAN, my colleague Sean. Thanks, Rachel. If you're a fan of Washington Today, we think you'll also like our evening newsletter, Word for Word, which brings you a recap of the day's most important political and policy events delivered right to your inbox. Read about what happened on Capitol Hill and at the White House and watch video highlights featuring the day's newsmakers. Hear them word for word. Join our community of informed listeners and viewers. Head over to cspan.org slash connect and subscribe to Word for Word today. Thanks for listening and staying connected with Word for Word. Subscribe now at cspan.org slash connect. Thank you. Welcome back to Washington Today, available as a podcast on the C-SPAN Now mobile app. It's free and wherever you find your podcasts. President Joe Biden told reporters Tuesday, reports CNN, he has made a decision about the U.S. response to the drone strike that killed three U.S. service members and injured dozens in Jordan. Asked by CNN's Arlette Signs whether he had decided how to respond, Biden said yes, but declined to provide further details. The Sunday attack on the small outpost was the first time American troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the beginning of the Gaza war. Administration officials have feared that outcome since the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel because it would require a strong American response, which the administration has worried could lead to a broader conflict. That was all reporting from CNN. Here is that exchange on the White House South Lawn. It is a little noisy with the presidential helicopter in the background. I do hold them responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it. Well, we'll have that discussion. We'll see. I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for. President Biden with reporters on the White House South Lawn. Again, the helicopter is in the background. Later, as they all flew on Air Force One down to Florida for re-election campaign fundraising by the president, the reporters asked White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby for some more detail about how the U.S. might respond to the drone attack that killed three Americans in Jordan. The president said when he left the White House that he had reached a decision on on the strikes. Uh, what is the guiding principle as, as he makes this decision? And is it fair to say that these strikes will be more forceful than the ones that were done previously? Well, with the caveat that I'm certainly not going to telegraph punches here, get into specifics of uh, potential future military operations. Uh, to your question, guiding principle is making sure uh, that we continue to degrade the kinds of capabilities that these groups have at their disposal to use against our troops and our facilities and to send a strong signal uh, uh, to their backers in the IRGC that these attacks are unacceptable and we're going to do, the president will do what he has to do to protect our troops and our facilities and to look after our national security, uh, our national security interests in the region. Uh, and I would tell you that um, as I said yesterday, uh, we they have now taken the lives of three American troops. Uh, and so I think 
it's fair for you to expect that uh, we will we will respond in an appropriate fashion, and it um, and it is uh, it's very possible that uh, what you'll see is um, is a, a a tiered approach here, uh, not not just a single action, but potentially multiple actions. Can you say if it will only and can you say if it will only be military in its nature, or is economic uh, responses such as sanctions on the table as well? I don't think I'm going to get into more detail than that. John Kirby, Strategic Communications Coordinator for the White House National Security Council, speaking with reporters on Air Force One. He also said that President Biden spoke to the families of the U.S. troops killed by the drone attack in Jordan. And the president plans to be at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware on Friday for the dignified transfer ceremony. A New York Times article says the Pentagon and State Department already have a list of possible Iranian targets. It was created in case a war broke out between Iran and Israel. Those include drone-making factories and their overseas suppliers, missile sites and air bases. And the U.S. has a plan for a cyber attack against Iran's air defenses, communication system, and power grid. The Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky spoke on the Senate floor about how the president should be responding. If the Iranian regime thinks America is most afraid of escalation, it will use that fear because it believes it will drive us from the Middle East, just as we were driven from Afghanistan. It was reasonable to hope that the eruption of proxy violence against American forces in the wake of October 7th massacre in Israel would convince the Biden administration to start seriously exercising American strength. It was reasonable to hope that a global superpower might finally begin to act like one. That hasn't happened yet, but perhaps the gut-wrenching tragedy of American casualties will finally wake this administration from its delusional approach to Iran. Yesterday, the Secretary of Defense echoed President Biden's hollow assurance from earlier this month, insisting that the administration, quote, will not tolerate attacks on U.S. forces and we will take all necessary action to defend the U.S. and our troops. Unfortunately, this sentiment isn't yet backed by any action. The fact that Iran's proxies have targeted Americans 166 times in the past three months demonstrates that the Biden administration is willing to tolerate attacks on U.S. forces. The question for the commander-in-chief is whether his actions in the coming days will convince Iran and its proxies that America's tolerance has been exhausted. It's time for the administration to provide senators with a briefing on the current situation in the Middle East. As I've said before, the president has the necessary authorities to strike those responsible for killing and wounding Americans, targeting our interests, and threatening our allies in the region. He has the capacity to go after the Iranians who sponsor and direct this campaign. But his administration has an obligation to inform Congress of its objectives and strategy and to explain why their attempts to deter Iran and its proxies have, as yet, 
been unsuccessful. The Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, on the Senate floor. At the Pentagon, the press secretary, Major General Patrick Ryder, was asked about a report that Hezbollah announced it would suspend attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria and order its fighters not to respond to any U.S. attack. So Kateb Hezbollah has just put out a um, message on Telegram suggesting that telling its fighters not to attack U.S. uh, bases in Iraq and Syria, suggesting that they will support uh, the fight in Gaza in other ways, and suggesting that even if the U.S. strikes them not to respond, what is your response to that? Yeah, we've, we've seen those reports. I don't have a specific comment to provide other than actions speak louder than words. Um, and again, on, on uh, the, the statement that's out there, you, you know, I, I don't think we could be any more clear uh, that we have called on the Iranian proxy groups to stop their attacks. Uh, they have not. Uh, and so uh, we will respond in a time and manner of our choosing. Uh, when I say actions speak louder than words, um, you know, there has been three attacks, to my knowledge, uh, since the 28th of January. Uh, and I'll just leave it there. Okay. General Patrick Ryder, the Pentagon press secretary, at his news conference at the Pentagon. This is Washington Today. Two former CIA directors, Mike Pompeo and Leon Panetta, testified today before the House Select Committee on Strategic Competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party. The title of the hearing was Authoritarian Alignment, the CCP's Support for America's Adversaries. Mike Pompeo was also Secretary of State under former President Trump and a Republican congressman from Kansas. Leon Panetta also served as Defense Secretary under former President Obama, and was a Democratic congressman from California. Here are portions of the hearing. We start with Leon Panetta, questioned by Congresswoman Kathy Castor, Democrat from Florida, about China and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Secretary Panetta, in 2022, after Vladimir Putin and Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, the United States, President Biden, and our NATO allies helped rally freedom-loving people across the globe to support Ukraine. What, what do you surmise uh, Xi Jinping and the PRC uh, took from that? What lesson did they take from the swiftness of that coalition? As I mentioned uh, in my testimony, uh, I really do think that Russia and China uh, grew more aggressive because they sensed a weakness on the part of the United States, that the United States was withdrawing from leadership in the world, uh, was withdrawing from our alliances, and wasn't drawing the line on aggression. Uh, And I'm thankful that President Biden and our NATO allies drew a line on Putin. I don't think Putin expected that, very frankly. So it was really important for the United States and our allies to be able to say, if you cross that line, we will take steps to go after Russia. We'll undermine your economy, we'll provide military aid, and we will strengthen NATO. That was a clear message. And most importantly, the message was that the Ukrainians, because they were brave fighters, stopped the Russian invasion. That got the attention of Xi Jinping. And the fact that that invasion was stopped, the fact that the United States and our allies came together to help Ukraine, 
has been a major signal, I think, to Xi to think twice about Taiwan. Leon Panetta, former Secretary of Defense and CIA Director, questioned by Congressman Kathy Castor, Democrat from Florida, at today's House hearing. Mike Pompeo, another witness, former Secretary of State and former CIA Director, got these questions from Congressman Jake Auchincloss, Democrat of Massachusetts. What kind of example are we setting when former administrations take the side of dictators? What kind of example are we setting when your former boss, the likely presidential nominee of your party, is promising to be a dictator? Mr. Pompeo, you write that, quote, regimes in Moscow, Tehran, Pyongyang, and Caracas all owe their continued existence to the Chinese Communist Party. You omit that prior to his invasion of Ukraine. You describe Putin as, quote, very capable, end quote, and said you had, quote, enormous respect for him. Also missing from your remarks, these regimes have an ally in Donald Trump. Just this month, Donald Trump praised Kim Jong-un at a rally in New Hampshire, referring to him as, quote, a tough, smart guy. While in office, he considered meeting with Maduro and second-guessed his own administration's recognition of Guaido as Venezuela's legitimate president. He rejected his own intelligence agencies, including the CIA, which you were the director of at the time, on the world stage during his shameful Helsinki summit and denied the evidence that Moscow interfered in our elections. On one thing, though, we do agree. Our democracy is stronger when we invest in and celebrate our free society. We have the tools to outcompete autocracies at home and abroad, but it's not just, as you say, a strong military and a strong economy. It's also a strong democracy. Secretary Panetta, you make this clear in your remarks. Quote, the greatest threat to national security is if we fail to govern our democracy. I agree with you. But Mr. Pompeo, this cannot happen if we defy reality and rewrite history for political expediency. So now, on behalf of your call for respect for vital institutions, will you hear a test now under oath that Joe Biden was duly elected in a free and fair election? Well, so much for bipartisanship of this committee. Well done, sir. You have destroyed that. Will you attest under oath that Joe Biden was duly elected in a free and fair election Uh, out of respect for the vital institutions of our democracy, as you write? Yes, sir. I've spent my entire life, my time in service as a lieutenant and a captain in the United States Army as a member of Congress. Will you attest that Joe Biden won a free and fair election as the duly elected president of the United States? Of of course, President Biden is the duly elected president of the United States. But if you'll allow me to respond to your diatribe for a moment, sir, if if you would permit that, that'd be be most decent and bipartisan institution respecting if you would do that. In a free and fair election? May may I just respond to the tirade that you engaged in? You answer the yes or no question. If you want to protect institutions, you would call witnesses and permit them to respond when you make assertions that are fundamentally unfounded and indecent, sir. With the witness unwilling to respond to the question, we're going to assert that his answer was no. Mr. Panetta, if a Republican were to win in November, would you recognize that that individual as the duly elected president of the United States? Of course. Of course. Is the right answer, Mr. Pompeo. I yield back. I wish Secretary Clinton would. I, I, I wish I, Secretary Clinton would be so clear about her election as well. In we have a hundred and we have a minute and ten seconds that I'll give to Secretary Pompeo to answer the question. Just, just this: um, we did have a peaceful transition of power from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. I was present for that. I saw my State Department work <laughs> diligently to deliver the information that Secretary Blinken desperately needed to get started on the right foot, and I have been proud to work alongside Secretary Mr. Blinken. Mr. Chairman, reclaiming my gentleman time, has yielded to me. I have given that time to Secretary Pompeo. I'd like to see a show of hands who here thinks it was peaceful on January 6, 2021. What are you doing? 
the, the last thought, the last thought, and by the way, I was I was happy that the State Department executed that tradition, that tradition with such aplomb and such excellence. Um, second thought is this: um, Look, we'll we'll have partisan disagreements on on many things. Uh, I think it is a factual matter. You recounted number of foreign policy. I think it's a factual matter that the world was in less conflict three years ago than it is today. Secretary Blinken just yesterday said that not since 1973 has the Middle East been so dangerous. I agree with him on that. It was, it was safer three years ago because we had established a deterrence model that was successful at preventing invasion of Europe, the debacle in Afghanistan, the good work that we did. You'll recall that the Trump administration was the first administration to actually provide defensive weapon systems to Ukraine when the Obama administration had concluded it could not or would not do so. These were things that kept the American people safe. It wasn't partisan. It wasn't political. It was good policy. Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, questioned by Congressman Jake Auchincloss, Democrat from Massachusetts, at today's hearing of the House Select Committee on Strategic Competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party. You also heard from the committee chair, Republican Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin. Thanks for listening to Washington Today. Sign up for C-SPAN's evening newsletter word for word. It's free and get the stories making headlines in Washington sent to your inbox every day. Subscribe at cspan.org slash connect. Have a good night. 